0: D. Smith, welcome in. It is the latest edition of the Unnamed Soccer Podcast. The Unnamed Soccer Podcast brought to you by 3 Punk Ales. They're in Chula Vista. It is also brought to you by Sport Clips, where it is good
1: to be a guy. We are recording on a Tuesday evening. Darren, happy Tuesday to you. Happy Tuesday, Jordan. I know you're not the biggest fan of social media from time to time, though. A well-placed tweet will come from at Jordan Carruth. Have you... Followed along on this Tuesday, all the exciting news in the world of social media. Jordan, have you issued a fleet tweet yet? Do you have any idea what I'm talking about?
0: I absolutely know what you're talking about. I was unaware that fleet messages or stories or whatever they call those things been on their way. Um... I just feel like every single social media platform is just assuming one another and it's becoming one. (laughs) They all just resent like Instagram. Like if you post a story to Instagram, it's also linked to a Facebook, but now Twitter has fleets, but they're really stories and who knows? I don't know. It's just, they're all just eating each other. It seems like.
1: Yeah. And pretty much everybody had the same exact fleet today, which was just some piece of commentary about, Hey, this is stupid. Yeah. I mean, everybody sort of posted the same exact message. It is an Instagram story. I just learned how to do Instagram stories. Now I got to learn how to do fleet on Twitter. If that's what it's called, are they fleets or whatever? I don't know, but I hate I, that name fleet. Why? What is that? I don't know. I, don't I, I couldn't come up with anything better than fleet. It reminds me of that, uh, that, that football team that we had around here for a while in San Diego. Yeah. Before that ship sunk <laughs> <Yeah>. firepower. <laughs> Firepower. Like I woke up. I had no clue what anybody was talking about. Uh, you get really got to be like dialed in on local sports talk, San Diego to understand that reference. there. Fire firepower. <laughs> Everybody just said the same exact thing. Everybody issued the same exact message on fleet today. Do you think you'll get to the point where you will fleet or issue a fleet or whatever the correct terminology is?
0: don't understand it completely yet. Cause on Instagram you can post stories and if you have a big enough account, you could actually like link stuff. So to a store, so you could actually sell, you could actually uh, link to your website. Is that even available on Twitter? Like it seems like it's just another version of a message and it just another unneeded layer on what was a very simple platform. Like it's a tweet. You just throw out the message and you got your timeline and it goes. And I, I kind of, I, I like that. I don't, I don't like the new layer. I feel like it adds confusion now, am I supposed to be digging through the fleets to actually find, like, is, if we get a Woj bomb, like if I find out Giannis wants out of Milwaukee, even though they're doing everything he can to make him happy, do I have to go to Woj's fleets? He actually just going to tweet that? Because I don't, don't want to go oh yeah. searching through fleets to find breaking news. I'll tell you that.
1: I, I don't have the answer to that. Uh, I mean, even the governor of the expect- state of California got, uh, got in on the action. I'm looking at Gavin Newsom's fleet today. He just wrote, what is this? yeah that was a common one am i doing this right what is this or this looks like instagram story and like do we have to now promote this through uh tweet a fleet on twitter or or how do we do the podcast because we used to do all sorts of stuff on the instagram story on the instagram page but now I, i don't know what we're doing anymore
0: um, it was an uninspiring start to fleet day, I
1: guess. <laughs> I didn't see
0: anything in any fleet that made me really excited to check that out again tomorrow, but who knows? Maybe, maybe things will change. I guess the NBA has something in store um, for the NBA draft and their fleets. But again, I, I guess, why can't you just tweet that stuff out? I don't see the difference. I
1: don't know. <laughs> well, let me go to, let me, well, let me go to the, uh, you know, the, uh, the inspiration for all soccer podcasts. Let me go to men and blazers. This is what they, uh, this is what they put out there. Oh, it's a picture of Jamie Vardy. And it says Fleetwood town. <laughs> it says Fleetwood town better than fleet. So I guess it's a picture of Vardy playing for Fleetwood town before he got to Leicester, obviously. So it's just a picture of a Vardy party. And it says that Fleetwood town is better than fleet. So right. that's the best men and blazers could come up with today. I don't know.
0: There it is. Yeah. Would going to chime in on any of these fleets again. They just need to come up with a better name. I just, I don't understand the name at all.
1: Well, Fleetwood Mac got involved with TikTok because of that dude who was on the skateboard with the cranberry juice. So I feel like they're already, right. They're already cap tied to TikTok.
0: Right. Even though someone's coming after their name now. Yeah, I was, I was not expecting to see that on Twitter. My first reaction was like, what the fuck is this?
1: (laughs) But now I know from experience that we'll make fun of this. And at some point we'll either have to do it or we'll be left behind.
0: I know, yeah. I know it's a terrible cycle,
1: isn't it? But we don't um, even have an unnamed soccer podcast, Twitter account. So I don't even no, know what don't. sort of obligation we have to, to go ahead and do this. Yeah. Are people going to check? I don't know.
0: Check the tweets, I guess. Maybe tweets just get flooded on your timeline. Are we going too long on this? Like maybe it's just too hard to keep up with everyone you follow on a timeline. You can just run through the stories, I,
1: I guess. Know. But then what happens to the, all the other people that are just you know, good, honest tweeters?
0: Yeah. They just get left know. behind. I want I those woge bombs to be tweets. I don't want them to be fleets. That's all I say. That's all I got.
1: Right. Because then I want to I want to retweet things, and I can't retweet any of these things that are happening on Fleet. Yeah, you can't re Fleet. You can only retweet. Yeah, it's the whole name of the app. It's not called Fleet. It's called Twitter. I swear. Anyway, if they
0: change their name to
1: Fleeter tomorrow morning, I'm deleting the <laughs> social <laughs> app completely. <laughs> Well, uh, stay tuned sports fans at some point we'll probably see out there on fleet. I don't know how disappointed you'll be with whatever it is that we post, but I promise you, it will be disappointing.
0: Yeah. Um, Our audience hates us by now. Um, A lot to talk about on the podcast today, Darren, we got two matches in from the U S men's national team, two matches. We've only played one match this entire year. And all of a sudden we get two more in like four days. That was fantastic. Um, We'll talk about that. The U S women's national team has a match coming up against Netherlands. That's a rematch of the world cup final. Um, We have a note on that and some uh, pretty interesting matches coming up this weekend in the prem in La Liga. And there was some wild, wild scores today in Europe in a, uh, in a tournament that Darren and I will not be able to explain because we don't know exactly what it is, but we do know that Germany absolutely got crushed today. So maybe a few seconds or minutes on that. Um, do want to start with the U S men's national team, our most recent podcast, we chatted with Jeff Carlisle and he kind of gave us the preview, what to expect at the time. We weren't sure if Pulisic was going to be available. We found out obviously Pulisic uh, was not going to play, not going to be a part of it. Um, but we got two matches. We got a nil nil performance against Wales and then six, two against Panama. Um, anything, what's, what's your big takeaway from those two?
1: Uh, big takeaway is uh, Doug McIntyre, not Jeff Oh,
0: Sorry, yes. Doug McIntyre. I was reading Jeff Carlisle right before the podcast. My apologies. It's okay.
1: It, well, everybody's in a state of confusion because of what's happening with uh, you know Fleet. So it, it's uh, <laughs> totally understandable. Um, my takeaway is, Jordan, that I don't know if it's 2022 or 2026, but we are winning a World Cup, baby. Uh, there's no doubt. No. Um, I, I, I think my takeaway is, that the U S men's national team played a couple of matches didn't lose, had a real offensive explosion against a pretty bad Panamanian side. So, uh, Greg with three G's improves his record beats Panama again. That was the first ever match for Greg with three G's. It was, not the highest level of competition. Uh, I think that there are plenty of things you could talk about and you could feel excited about. I think that there are obvious areas of concern. I think though, that all in all, we need to remember one thing. The U S men's national team missed the world cup. We do not have the luxury that other countries who missed the world cup have. We're not Italy. We've never won this tournament before. We've not gone very far. We've had a handful of successful runs. You have to rebuild this, and this is a rebuilding project. Now, it is a new U.S. Soccer Federation president. It is a new manager. We have new faces. Uh, We have uh, the difficulty of of a pandemic on top of it all. We've got uh, youth movement here. We've got players who we've never seen play before for the U.S. men's national team. You have to learn how to play against CONCACAF talent. You have to learn how to play against European talent, South American talent, right? If you're ever expected to make any noise in a World Cup. So for me, uh, you have to crawl before you walk, walk before you run, et cetera. You know, this, is, this is a project. You know, This is very much a project. This is not anywhere close to being done. There's a lot of work to do. You have to figure out which players are going to be where next summer with regards to World Cup qualifying and the Olympics and what you're going to do with the Gold Cup, et cetera. It's nice that there seems to be this unprecedented level of talent that we've discussed on on this podcast before, but uh, I was reminded while watching the match against Wales and the match against Panama most recently that you know that, that this this is a very much still a, a progress uh, a process and that the U.S. men's national team still has a lot of work to do and it has to rebuild a fan base. It has to figure out how to win. It has to figure out who's going to be part of this. It has to figure out who's going to commit to this. It, it has to piece this all together. You can't get players from, from this country to play with players who are playing internationally. So, you know, there's just a, uh, you know, this, this is uh, like I said, this is, this is the U S this isn't, you know, this isn't Italy missing it. This isn't, you know, a South American country with a with, uh, deep in tradition and history and uh, expectation you know, there there's a lot of work to do on and off the field and and you know, at least for a couple of matches. They didn't lose. I think that's important. So no confidence shattered. This was, you know, not not exactly stop the press's stuff. As somebody who works in mainstream media, nobody really stopped to talk about the US men's national team. I was pretty much the only person on radio doing that. So, you know, this this is not captivating anybody's attention. It's happening. While people aren't paying attention and uh, there's, there's a long way to go from here, but all in all, we can talk about the particulars. I thought a lot of the stuff that we saw was very exciting and a lot of the stuff was very good, but man, uh, there, there's just, there's a lot. There's, there's still a ton that needs to happen here with the squad.
0: Yeah. You and I are definitely on the same page with this one. It is a project. And I think what really I was reminded of in these last two matches and there are positives to take away is um i was really reminded we don't have a lot of time to figure out this project because the world cup qualifiers are going to be here before you know it like those come up in june that's only that's seven months away that is not a long time especially dealing with what everyone is dealing with in the world Um, You don't, it's not exactly easy to organize these games. It doesn't seem like it's going to get any easier anytime soon to get these guys back on the field and working with each other. You don't have a lot of time and there's a lot on the line coming up really, really fast. And like you said, new coach, new players, it's a record amount of players that they have thrown out there. Um, They have thrown out a, I don't have, I had the number earlier. I don't have it right in front of me right now, but the amount of players they have called up to try this to see in training, to see in these friendlies, potentially what we could have seen over the summer, but it was taken away. It's everything is brand new. It's a youth movement. It's the new manager with Burhalter, and it's not a lot of time. And so you finally get that opportunity the first time in a very long time to see these guys back on the field, and you hit on it, and Greg Burhalter talked about it afterwards. One of the things that they need to really focus on obviously playing well on the field and everything and getting ready for the world cup. They need to convince this fan base that they're exciting. And this is something to really support and that there's, this is a positive project, that this is a project headed in the right direction because there is a lot of people who are not convinced of that quite yet. And quite frankly, Darren, there's going to be a lot of people who won't even be convinced of it until it actually happens. There's going to be a huge part of this fan base that says, all right, wake me when they actually do qualify for the world cup, then I'll jump back on. And I mean, it's whether that's right or wrong or whatever, that's just kind of how it is. That's that's the facts of it all. Um, It doesn't paint a pretty picture um, because you don't have a lot of opportunities. You don't have a lot of time and there's a lot of uncertainty for everyone going forward. So it's not a pretty picture, but I do think there were positives to take away. Uh, Nil-nil against Wales. I think the common response was boring couldn't score, needed a finisher. Wales. How good are they really? Anyway, most of those players are playing in second division, England. Um, I was okay with the Wales performance, to be honest with you, nil nil. We already mentioned a few players that were not available there that typically would be scoring some goals for the U S and it was their first match in forever. So did I have huge expectations for that first gathering of a brand new team, essentially playing together for the first time and ever (laughs) like, no, I didn't have huge expectations there. Um, 6-2 against Panama. I'm really happy with 6-2 against Panama, and here's why. It's something that Doug McIntyre told us last last week on the podcast is usually the U.S. kind of punches up to their competition, don't they? Like, they can go out and really surprise you. They punch up, and then sometimes when you expect them to dominate, they do anything but. That match against Panama very easily could have been and has been that kind of match for the U.S. in the past. So 6-2 is something I am very happy about. The fact that you saw the ball go in the background that early and often um, they were creating a lot. It was a terrible start. Um, it was a very shaky start. Matt Miazga was <laughs> I was not happy with him in the first 15 minutes, but things turned around <laughs> rather quickly. Uh, it, it's just such a it's a young team. We saw four teenagers play in that game against Panama. The average age was 22 years old. And a couple like 154 days, I think is what it is. 22 years, 154. Very young, very young team that was able to put up six goals. I know Panama didn't look great. They didn't even look like they wanted to be there at times. Um, But we have seen that match in the past and it has not finished six to two in the past. So I think there's something to be excited there just because of that.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, You know, I think the thing that, that, you know, as a U.S. men's national team fan that you're left wondering is how would they do in their next match, right? Like, do they feel complacent? Do they feel satisfied? We saw this during qualifying where they would have a match, let's say, where they'd win 6-0 against St. Vincent and the Grenadines, and then they would come back and you'd say, well, wait a second, and then they would follow that up with a real clunker. I don't have the list right in front of me, but, you know, they'd follow it up with a clunker against, I don't know, like Guatemala or something. Uh, I I don't even know that they played Guatemala, but you know, you know, you get the point and you sort of go, well, what happened there? I I don't understand. How did we get from the point where, you know, you look so good in one match and you think, okay, they found it. Okay, cool. This is great. This is humming. They found it. This is good rhythm. They figured out who to pass the ball to and, and what the right rhythm is and what the right rotation is. And then they go out there and they lay an absolute egg in the next match. So, you know, from that standpoint here, this is what we got. Like, this is all we have. And I agree. I I mean, I think that this was successful. I think not losing to Wales. I know this sort of sounds like, like the lamest sort of analysis ever, but not losing to Wales, a a Welsh side. That was like you said, it's B squad, not all that impressive, even if it is a defensive minded approach that Wales had in this match. Um, Okay. You know, it's, it's better than the alternative, I suppose, And, you know, at least we got to see some eruption of offensive goals being scored, et cetera, taking control of the match, dictating pace, et cetera. You know, I like that. I think that there are individual performances that I'm sure you and I can get into. But, you know, we just, we don't know yet if what has ailed the U.S. men's national team has been fixed because this is, this is all we have in a year. I, I mean, I, again, I'm, I'm thrilled to watch them play against, Panama and score six times, uh, especially when it got to three, two, you're like, what is happening here? How is this a three, two match? And then watching the U S explode for three more goals with Soto and legit and Soto again, finishing it off and making it six, two, you know, um, that's th- good. You know, it's, it's really, really good stuff. But again, uh, we saw this when they were trying to qualify back in you know, 2018, it, like, like they would follow up what appeared to be pretty good performances by laying an absolute stinker out there. And you just said, gosh, what is happening with this group? I just, I can't quite figure it out. So we just don't know. But uh, Mm -hmm. I'm glad to see certain players get their opportunities. I'm glad to see certain players. I I liked, I thought that that looked like there was a lot of camaraderie out there, especially for a bunch of players who had never played together. It's hard because we're not involved. We're not interviewing guys. We're not there covering it. It genuinely seemed like this group, which Jordan, you just, accurately point out a couple 17 year olds, a couple of 19 year olds and 20 year olds. I mean, heck we have, you know, Reggie Cannon out there talking about how he feels like the old person in the group. He's 21. So, you know, it, it genuinely seemed like they, they liked one another and they got along and there was good camaraderie out there and good spirit. And uh, I loved watching Weston McKinney. My gosh, what a stud. I just yeah. love everything about him, mm-hmm. but you know, it, it there's not there's no real questions being answered here. You know, it just was a couple of exhibition matches and, and, you know, the U S walks away um, providing some, some glimpses and, and some moments that make you feel pretty good. But, but, you know, we still have a ton of road still to hoe here when it comes to this group.
0: Yeah. Nothing definitive to take away. It was very much an introduction to this new look U S men's national team. And we got to see it for the first time. Cause we mentioned that they played earlier this year, yeah, they did technically, but not this squad. I mean, that squad right. that played back in February was a major league soccer squad. Um, so these guys that we saw in the past two matches, nothing from what we saw back in February. It's very much an introduction. It's an introduction for fans. It's an introduction for Burhalter And it has to be a quick introduction because we don't have a lot of time before we get ready for World Cup qualifying. So I, I think there were positives. West McKenney clearly a massive positive. Um, you're right. He is... <laughs> It, it's hard for me not just to like kind of name the clubs that each player plays for when I'm <laughs> watching these matches, like, Oh, so uh. passes the Juve, passes, you know um, but McKennie, very obviously he, he stood out Sebastian Soto coming off the bench. You mentioned him. He's only 20 years old and he scores a brace coming off the bench. He's the first, the uh, first U S player to score twice in his first international game in 67 years and he did it as a sub how about that so that's his introduction we're getting introduced to a lot of these new guys and we're going to learn a lot about this team rather quickly um, because we just don't have a lot of time before we get ready june 2021 going to be here before we know it there's a chance that our first world cup qualifier is against trinidad and tobago there's potential there well it it depends on who comes out of whatever group and who's who's representing what but there is a chance that we get to exercise some demons against Trinidad and Tobago in that very first World Cup qualifier. But for me, I think Burhalter said something very interesting afterwards. His quote was, all we wanted to do from the beginning is to get fans on our side. It was an important thing. It's an important step for us. People are excited to watch. I'm excited to watch. You're excited to watch. They still have a lot of work to do to get a lot of people excited to watch this team. They are not there yet. Burhalter can say that people are excited to watch. Yes, big soccer fans are excited to watch this team because they're following this. They know that there is reason to be excited, but the common fan isn't quite excited yet for the U.S. men's national team. And nothing that happened in these past two matches are going to make anyone really say, okay, now I'm really, really excited from a common fan perspective. Um, But I guess my big takeaway was this was I think a good introduction. Um a reminder that they're gonna have to come together really, really quickly. Um, but that that's also something that can be said for a lot of other teams that we're gonna be seeing in the when we get the World Cup qualifying. So um well overall I think I was I was happy. I was happy with what we saw. Um nil-nil against Wales. Okay, it's fine. It's the first time they had played together. They knew they were playing four days later. Um six goals against Panama. That makes me feel good. And mostly what makes me feel good is the quotes that are coming out. Like the players do genuinely sound very, very happy. Like you mentioned, they, they sound excited. They seem to be enjoying each other. And um, the squad that we saw should only get better because you still have other guys that will be added on a little bit later that we did not see this time around.
1: Absolutely. All, all of that uh, spot on. Yeah. Here's, I, I just looked it up too, from world cup qualifying back in 2018. I know that chapter is closed beat Panama four nil on October 6th lose an absolutely must have match, the Trinidad and Tobago 2 one. So, you know, like we just had seen some inconsistencies before. Now that's not what this was about. You know, that's just it sort of popped into my head. So I just wanted to, to clear my mind since I was sort of thinking about that. Um, I, I could put it to you this way. Like this is as excited as I've been to watch the U S men's national team since that Trinidad and Tobago match where we were at O'Brien's with the American outlaws because of Weston McKinney, who, as you said, it's easy to go club by club here and start rattling off where everybody's playing to watch players from Borussia Dortmund, to watch players from Barcelona, to watch players from Juventus and Fulham. And our keeper is the backup at Manchester city. And to, you know, on and on and on it goes, you guys can all look up the roster yourself and you know, to see uh, Eunice uh, Musa for the first time uh, playing for the U S men's national team, 17 years of age. Hopefully he decides that this is something he wants to be a part of. I thought he looked really, really good out there. He looked, he really filled the uniform out very well. So, you know, there was a lot to like, you know, I'm still pretty high on, on uh, Tim. Wea like watching him, you know, it was a pretty important couple of matches for him. it would have been nice to see somebody like Josh Sargent, Kristen Pulisic, etc. But, you know, those guys were not there for, uh, for reasons that have already, already been explained. So, you know, uh, I think that Greg Berhalter's right uh, that, that we're, we got a lot to do. You know, there's a, there's a lot of work to be done here. Soccer Twitter absolutely was engaged with what was happening, but you know, that is, uh, that is, that is, uh, that is not the majority, not even close. So, you know, there's, 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 you know, still a lot of convincing that needs to be done. Unfortunately for Greg Berhalter, I like when he speaks, I think he's an interesting guy to listen to, but, for many people, Jordan, he is somebody who simply got this opportunity because of his brother, you know, because of who his brother was. And the process, I think, is probably a little bit more of an obstacle for people in embracing Greg Burhalter than anything that he does or any tactic or anything that he has to say that process. People are still hung up. They're not quite sure if he's the right guy. To me, he seemed to push a lot of buttons. He explains things really well. You know, U.S. soccer puts out a million and one different videos from training, whether it was in Wales or our, uh, before the Panama match, you know, and, and it all seems like good stuff. You know, it all seems like really, really interesting stuff when you, you know, clean it up, frame it that way, put it out there on a social media post. But, you know, there's still, you know, there's, I mean, they, again, the, the level of competition here, you know, you know, what really stands out, you mentioned it. What Spain did to Germany, like, whoa, my God, like, how did you get six goals against Manuel Neuer? What in the world is happening between Spain and Germany today? Like, that is a stand-up. Everybody understands that's uh, a score that makes you go, what? Neither one of these scores, I, I don't think, will make the world sort of stop and pay attention, but it's what we got. And, you know, again, I am with you. I loved watching the, the players play. I think that there's a little bit of chippiness. I think that some of the players have a little bit of an edge. I, I'm resisting using the word swagger because you know how much I, I, I just don't love that word, but you know, watching Weston McKinney in particular, he's like, he's got some, some shit houseery to him where he, you know, he throws the ball away in certain plays and, you know, somebody's like, Hey, give me the ball on a free kick. And he always tosses it over the, the guy's, head uh, you know I like that some hard tackles things along those lines that you might not expect to see in a friendly it feels like it's going in the right direction but obviously now 10 15 minutes into this podcast you can tell Jordan and I are sort of tempering any uh expectation or any sort of enthusiasm because it's it's still you know it's just uh, it's the it's early on it's just a couple of early baby steps here in this process
0: yeah, I, I think one positive would be it didn't look like a squad that was carrying anything from missing out on the World Cup a few years back. It didn't look like a team that was trying to like prove itself from that because you didn't have a lot of players who were even a part of that. So they don't even feel uh, it, it didn't it didn't feel like we had any carryover. Now, is it going to be good enough to get us into the World Cup in twenty twenty two? You hope so, mm. um, but it's going to be a very, very busy year in 2021. Hopefully it's a busy year in 2021. You get world cup qualifying, as we, as we mentioned, and we kind of focus on that because the world cup, clearly uh, the biggest stage for the U S men's national team, as long as they make it, but also you have Olympics gold cup. I mean, it's a busy, busy year in 2021. So not only are you going to get the opportunities to see these guys in world cup qualifiers, you're going to be able to get to see them in other important tournaments And we're going to learn a lot about how this group is coming together rather quickly. So it was, it was the introduction and now we're really going to start to get to know these guys and we're going to get to know them really quick. So we're going to get them in the next couple months. The world cup qualifiers as mentioned, will be here before we know it, gold cup, Olympics, all that stuff. So there will be plenty of opportunities. Um, Hopefully they come together the right way. I don't think there was anything glaring. I don't think there was anything like, Oh my goodness, this was a massive step backwards uh, which I think is important because that could happen um, and I did not see that happen. So I, we're, we're set up for a very revealing 2021 for this squad.
1: Yeah, I think so. You know, it was uh, just a good little appetizer, you know, it yeah. was a good tasty little appetizer, not losing, winning a match, seeing some players score who we had never seen scored before you know whether that is Soto, as mentioned, or whether that's Joe Acchini, who scored a couple of times. Again, you, know, you sort of have to take it all with a grain of salt. Uh, allowing two is against that side, and seeing some of the mistakes from your guy Matt Miazga uh, could Ooh. be a bit concerning. But I also don't know that he would be. Well, I mean, he, he started both times, but you know, I, I think that you you still have to integrate other players and, and who knows by the time the world cup rolls around in 2022 in December, by the way. So good luck, even captivating people's imagination while they're all focused in this country on NFL football. That said, uh, you know, I, I, I think, you know, how you would integrate players like Pulisic and Sargent and Josie Altador. I know the name Jassy artist keeps popping back up again. Um, you know, that there's going to be other opportunities for other U.S. players who weren't part of this camp. You know, there's only one MLS player, and that was Sebastian uh, Legette. So, you know, uh, you know, there's still room for, uh, for others to integrate. I-, I watched this wondering how Christian Pulisic fits in, and I wonder if you did the same as somebody who pays as close of attention to Christian Pulisic's career as anybody. Where do you see him fitting in with what we saw over these two matches? I see what
0: do you mean. I mean, I think he fits in quite well. I think he makes the squad better. And we had so many players out there that were creating. I, I, what I really liked was the creation. Like we saw a lot of opportunities. What we didn't see against Wales was anyone finishing. And there were opportunities to finish. Um, Pulisic can finish. He also can create really, really well. I think he just adds, um, he'll just add to the inspiration. Yeah. I mean, I I think he he fits in. What do you think?
1: I do. I, I mean, where does he play? Does he play on the left? You know, I mean, as you start to move all these different pieces around, you know, how does he, uh, you know, who, who do you take out of the lineup? You know, where do some of our better players play? Like, where does Reyna, how does he fit it? You know, I just think it's it's a really, uh, you know, these are good conversations to have because yeah. you have options now. It's not like you're like, well, I don't know. We'll just put this guy out here and we'll build everybody else around him. But, you know, I, I thought, you know, for sure that he would, you know, he would have been much more of a scoring threat. Uh, you know, talking about creating opportunities, one shot on target against Wales. So, you know, I, I mean, I just think all of it, like would Josie Altador have been a really, really good piece of this puzzle? Would Sardis have been a really good piece of this puzzle? Uh, Josh Sargent, who we don't know, his club wouldn't release him from this. Uh, you know, I, I mean, it sort of leaves you just sort of, sort of saying, how does this evolve now over the next nine months, 10 months, 11 months, etc. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not suggesting that Polisic doesn't have a home here. I mean, Polisic, absolutely uh, is welcome on the squad, but you know, how that impacts everybody else from this, this group of unprecedented level talent that we've ever seen. You know, I just, I found myself saying, you know, how much better would this be with Christian Pulisic?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think really it, it kind of shines a spotlight back towards Berhalter because now it's up to him to figure this out because you get all these, as we referenced last week on the podcast uh, like we have all these shiny new toys out there that we haven't oh. seen before. Like it's up to Burhalter now to figure this out. Like that's his job to, to connect these pieces the right way because there is talent out there. Um, so it just adds, it, it's a difficult job for Burhalter. He's taken over a, a team that did not qualify, that has a very small fan base as it stands right now. He admits as much saying like, we have to get the fans back. They're gone. We need to convince him that we're exciting. And I think we're doing that. That's what Burhalter says. So he has a huge job on his hands. Um, and it's clearly not the easiest circumstances. You don't have your team together very often. It's been a long time. And you have so everything's so new. So the task is not easy for Berhalter. But it's his job to figure it out. And he'll have a lot of opportunities next year to kind of see how these pieces fit together. Um, but that's it. I mean, 2021 is going to be clearly important as we get ready for 2022 in the World Cup. But. With the Olympics, Gold Cup, and qualifying, I feel like I'm missing one. What am I missing?
1: I feel like there's four. Uh, big Gold year. Cup, Olympics, uh, and World Cup qualifying. You got them. That's it. Okay. Um, yeah.
0: And then one other. One other note. Do you have anything else on the U.S. men's national team? I saw one note earlier from the from the women's side that I want to bring up.
1: Um, I don't. I, I mean, I you know, I, I mean, not to. You know, carry on forever about it. Uh, I mean, I I thought that Serginho Dest, you know, showing some flexibility of of playing the match against Wales on the right side and then playing the match against Panama on the left side without really any sort of noticeable drop-off for me, I thought was, now I'm paying attention to this because if there's one player who I gravitate towards most, the same way you would if it were Pulisic out there is what I do with Serginho Dest and Barca starting right back, uh, I thought his ability to go and play on the left. I mean, I, you know, he's got, uh, he's got a little personality. It's, it's hard to not notice him when he's out there doing his thing. The way he uh, controls the ball, the way he passes the ball, seems to be in the right spot, plays a little bit of, maybe sometimes a little too much, but plays with some personality. You know, I think that there's a little bit of flair there. That, uh, that I really like to see from him, you know, and and you could go up and down the list here and you could focus in on whatever player you want to focus on. But I, I just like the flexibility of seeing somebody who started one match on the right side where he's primarily started for his club and then move over to the left side when his national team manager asked him to do it. And he did it. And it seemed to be a flawless transition.
0: I don't think they were intimidated at all, which is something we talked about last week as well. I mean, these guys are coming from some major clubs across Europe right now. There's no reason for them to be intimidated in a match against Panama, but from what we saw, I won't say swagger, Darren, but they they were not intimidated out there, which I think is another positive to point
1: out. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. You know, and and you know that was a good thing to see. So again, it's it's just, it's it's just the sun just popped up over the horizon. So it's going to be a long day, but uh, it was good to see the sun pop up there a little bit, a little bit of optimism. But you know, I think that this is uh, this is a pretty uh, optimistic, but a scarred fan base and it's going to take even the most the biggest diehards it's going to take some convincing to get everybody back up and and you know full throttle full-throated uh optimism back to to you know believing that not only can they qualify are they good enough to qualify but they're good enough to go and play some of the better european clubs and some of the better south american clubs that are that are out there who they're going to be in competition with so
0: yeah i don't want to just qualify like you want to be good enough to be a threat to get out of that group Once you get to the world cup, that's what you want. Um, six, two against Panama. It was the second youngest starting 11 in uh, the team's history. So there is usually that probably wouldn't be a great thing, but I think there was a lot of positives from that.
1: Um, Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, falling behind early, I know you can sort of, you can view that as a negative and even having it be a three, two match at one point with like 10 minutes to go, you could say what in the world is happening, but you know, seeing this group respond to being behind for the first time, To playing in a close match for the first time those aren't circumstances obviously that you would probably prefer to be in but from a coaching standpoint how they respond you know after after those situations i thought was also pretty good too
0: yeah uh the note on the women's side that i wanted to bring up i saw this a little bit earlier they announced that the uh, u.s women's national team are going to play their first game since march Uh, they're going to play the netherlands later this month november 27th they're playing about 70 miles south of amsterdam um, so they're going to the Netherlands It's a rematch of the world cup final. So we're going to be able to see the women's side for the first time in a very long time. Darren, it's been 261 days, uh, since the last time, well, it will be 261 days by the time they do play this match against the Dutch, um, since they last played, uh, which is a huge gap. I, that is the longest gap they've had without playing a match since like the early nineties, it says. So, uh, they haven't played since what was it? October, the end of October in Colorado. it's, it's been a long time. Um, I might not have that part right, but it's going to be 261 days between their last match. So it's been a long time. There's your world cup champions right there on the women's side and they get a, they get a rematch against the Netherlands. So that's something to watch a little bit later on this month. November 27th is when the U S women's national team will take on the Dutch.
1: Love watching our ladies. Uh, I do. Uh, I love even watching the success that some of our women's soccer players are having in Europe. Uh, I do get a kick out of that. Uh, Certainly watching them go the same way, maybe not the same exact feeling as watching the men play for some of the biggest clubs since, you know, women's soccer is, is, you know, still growing, especially on the European continent. But I, I really do see and uh, love seeing the women, succeed across. So uh, excited across the board. I mean, at some point I'm just excited to get back in. You know, I do wonder this too. You know, I I mean, I don't think there's any question about it. You and I are going to spend the majority of time on this podcast talking about the U S men's national team, but you know, if you still had the U S playing and you had the women playing, uh, we still without a doubt, right. The women are going to get the majority of, of fans inside of the building. I mean, they're, they're still way more popular than the men at this point. Are they not? Uh, yes. 100% more
0: popular. Yeah. And I do want to correct that because I was sloppy with those dates a little bit earlier. They, they had a, a camp in October. So they had an 11 day training camp. That's the last time they were together. The last time they actually played a match, uh, was in the, she believes cup back in March 11th. So pretty long gap. It's been a while since we've seen them out there. So excited to see them back out there. And it'll be just a good reminder. The last time we saw the U S women, uh, take on Netherlands, we were at Petco park watching from there. Um, oh yeah. So, <laughs> that's that's the last time so it'll be fun to kind of i'll probably look up those pictures you ever do that go on your phone and kind of just i'll go on my phone i'll search petco park i'll see all the pictures that i have at petco park and i'm gonna see a bunch of you me i know i have a picture with drew um who else was there alan uh we have a, we have a couple pictures yeah that was that was fun that was an early early match when we showed up at petco park and People were lined up all the way around the building. I don't think security was quite ready for that one at Petco for the World Cup final, but yeah, we eventually got can't
1: in. Can't wait for those days to return, <laughs> right? Cannot wait for those days to return. No doubt about it. Yeah, so I that's do what's miss that on the national side. Man, um, we uh,
0: we got some stuff going on in England. We got some stuff going on in Spain. I think there's a couple good matches to watch for this weekend in the Prem.
1: Yeah. I mean, what do we have? Uh, Let's see. Uh, I know Leicester. Well, I'm going to defer to you, but I do believe Leicester city Liverpool upcoming this weekend. Uh,
0: Yes, that will be Sunday. I don't have the time right in front of me, but I'll pull it up here in a second. Um, And then we also have Saturday to really kick things off for the weekend um, is Manchester city against Tottenham Hotspur, which Always a good match, but I think Liverpool-Leicester are going to take the cake this weekend because that is one versus three on the table. Leicester, top of the table as we come out of this international break.
1: Yeah, and in a wide-open year, too, where everybody's dealing with some sort of injury now. Liverpool dealt uh, another bad mm-hmm. hand with Mohamed Salah and COVID, and this is on top of Virgil van Dijk. So, you know, they are, are certainly being tested as league champs for the first time in 30 years. There's no doubt about that. But uh, good manager, good squad, still plenty of season left to go. I, he- I heard something about uh, fans potentially being welcomed back at Premier League matches here before the end of the season. I don't know where that is exactly, but uh, I was reading a little bit about that, that there is some idea being kicked around, even though everything has started to spike now all across the world again, unfortunately, that uh, the idea had been put forth that you might have some, uh, some socially distanced, physically distanced fans inside of the stands of Premier League matches, maybe, between now and the hmm. end of the season. I was not expecting to hear that. seems like we're I was, going the wrong direction for that. Yeah. I don't know that I would, uh, I would bet a lot of money on it and I don't even know how that would happen, <laughs> you know, based on uh, different parts of the country having different levels, but you know, yeah. I mean, that just, I'm not used to any of these things without fans. I got to be honest, uh, yeah. but you know, it sort it's of is what sound. it is and it's still way better than, not having any matches at all to talk about. Yeah. Tottenham man
0: city this weekend, going to be at nine 30 here on the West coast. So uh, Spurs fans going to sleep in a little bit and citizen fans too, for the few of you out here in San Diego, um, Chelsea and Newcastle. I get the dreaded four 30 start here on the West coast. Thank you very little um, against Newcastle, which is a club that we never do well against. So really looking forward to waking up at 4.00 AM to watch my club lose. That would be fun. Um, Leicester and Liverpool, eleven fifteen on Sunday, Darren, They are going up the going up against the NFL. Look out!
1: It's a good thing when you have multiple televisions, or where you don't care about the NFL, that you can sort of zero in on that uh, as well as I will be doing at eleven fifteen. Yeah, um, I, again, like we said, we already talked a little bit about Liverpool. I know in Spain we've got uh, Atletico Madrid with no Luis Suarez, who unfortunately is another uh, somebody who has contracted COVID uh, against FC Barcelona. As of the time that we're recording this, Argentina is still playing. It's Tuesday night. He's got to you know fly back for a weekend match against Atletico Madrid. So plenty of good club soccer to welcome us back here this weekend, Jordan. Now, do you set the alarm? do you wake up and say, Oh, I'm sorry. Is that Luca? Does, does Luca need something at at four 15 so you can get up and watch Chelsea play on Saturday morning? Or will you just set the DVR and Hey, every possible minute of extra sleep is welcome when you're a new dad. (laughs) Um, I think if I set an alarm at four 30 in the morning and I
0: wake up Luca at that time, I'm going to be in so much trouble. So I think my only way to actually watch that live is to probably like sleep on the couch and set up, set my alarm out there and wake up and watch. I think that's probably my best bet, which means likely going to DVR this one.
1: Okay. So So you set the DVR, not the alarm. Yeah.
0: All you Newcastle fans out here in San Diego, don't spoil it. Don't send me all these text messages telling me what the final score is when you beat Chelsea 2-1 this weekend.
1: Jordan's talking to you, Warren Barton. We know you listen to this podcast. We don't want to hear it from you.
0: I remember when Warren Barton joined this podcast he was so so good and he also so so ripped me for being a Chelsea fan.
1: yeah he said when he was playing for Newcastle United that what they would do is he said gosh we used to go to Chelsea nobody cared about Chelsea football club he said you'd find like 17 fans there and a dog that was about it <laughs>
0: hey I'm a dog guy I like it I, I, I fit in with that <laughs> Yeah. yeah um he absolutely crushed me for that one but we get newcastle against chelsea maybe i'll send a message over to warren this weekend maybe not though he's probably just going to crush me for being a chelsea fan again but it, it, it's nice to nice to have this back on over the weekend because yeah like you said nfl is obviously very different now so like i can follow along on my fantasy app and then just watch
1: put soccer on television that's the way to do it yep hey before we get out of here i do want to um you know as i'm uh, drinking a uh a beverage here in front of me. I do want to pour a little bit out, Jordan, as you and I got to know the United soccer league, even under these crazy circumstances here in 2020, uh, I want to pour a little bit out for Reno 1868. I know this Mm. happened a couple of weeks back and we didn't mention it on last week's podcast, but to see that Reno 1868 had ceased operations, you know, that was a club. I know that you and I would be there at Torero state and be like, wow, this is a really well-run club Reno 1868. I don't know what the financial situation was. I just, you and I talked a little bit about it off the podcast, watching them shudder and say, Hey, listen, it's been a great run, but this doesn't make any sense for us anymore. Man, that set a chill down my spine. I was really disappointed. Now I'd be disappointed no matter who it was because you know, those are fan bases and even smaller fan bases compared to major league soccer or Liga Ekis or whatever. But, you know, it's somebody's favorite club, presumably, right? Any of these clubs that we've gotten to know a little bit in the USL this year. But to see a club like that, which had been so successful, which had been to the postseason, every single season of its existence, make the unfortunate announcement that they were closing their doors and going to cease, uh, be, uh, cease operations. I got to admit, like, that, that one, for as new as we are to all of this, that one stung.
0: Yeah, that was, we've talked about it um, all the way back from the beginning of when everything started uh, with the pandemic saying like, with USL, the, there's going to be clubs that are going to be impacted greatly with this. When we, when we talked about it, Reno was not one of the teams that I was thinking of that could potentially fold. Now, I'm not an expert with Reno. I don't know their finances or all that stuff, but that was not one of the clubs that I was really on the top of my mind when I said that there's going to be some issues for certain clubs in this league going forward um i'm with you i didn't i did not enjoy reading that news at all and our only experience with reno was uh, a preseason match um we're loyal one on the road and then they came to san diego and they just they crushed us. us they crushed us that was in august that was our brutal month of august that was part of it um but that was we got our one official match in with reno and they took it to us in san diego
1: yeah. I mean, Ian Russell, their coach was named coach of the year. They've got some mm-hmm. talent there. Now, listen, I don't want to sound like I'm just a buzzard hovering overhead and trying to scoop up, but yeah, there's some good players on that roster too. There's Corey Hertzog is a player who historically mm-hmm. has been very good in the USL. I think he's like top two or three scorers all time. So I'm not ready. I know the body's not yet cold, so I don't want to sit here and hover over it and try to harvest some of these organs. But you know, as this club here that geographically was not too far away, like you said, playing that preseason match Reno, I've never been, you know, some people say they like it. Some people tell me it's a, a terrible dump, but you know, neither here nor there it's close enough that you could have made that trip. You know, it's close enough that that would have been a fun away trip, go to Reno. They've got casinos and some other stuff there. Who knows? But uh, that just, uh, you know, I I, 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 and you felt some sort of connection to that club, having seen them from the preseason into the regular season as well. So, you know, that one, that one really bummed me out more than I thought it would have. You know, if you would have told me before the start of the season that Reno 1868 was going to cease operations at the end of the year, I'd have been like, Oh, okay but haven't seen it and haven't interacted with their people and seen how great their website was. And then some of their players and read a little bit about their history and anticipation of some of the matches that you and I talked about, like I was like, man, uh, that's brutal.
0: You could, they took it serious, which was, I think, what yeah. the most be like, they, they were all in, like they were, they took this very serious. And you can't even say that about every single team in that state, uh, let alone the league. No, absolutely so, not.
1: So the fact that they took it serious
0: (laughs) and they, then this happens to them. And like, I'm, I'm disappointed because of what they meant to the league itself. I'm not disappointed that I don't get to go to Reno. I've been to Reno. I don't need to go back to Reno, but the club, the fact that they're gone, that's, that's the impact right there. And it's not a good impact. So yeah, that 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 is, that is,
1: that is really well said. I, I mean, I think that to your point, this league, which is a growing league, given this shitty hand that everybody's been dealt here, but certainly more at that level, they are a club that took it seriously. Mm -hmm. The other club in that state, I'm not saying I want that team to fold. It's not what I'm saying. So Las Vegas lights fans don't, I don't want to hear. I'm just saying like, I think that the league is better with clubs like Reno 1868 because of how seriously they get made it. It makes the league feel bigger than how some people classify which is i like, oh, it's just this minor league soccer it, it made the league you know very legitimate so i was really bummed to see that
0: yeah arena made the league better
1: and las vegas can fold on the
0: field when we play them next year how about
1: that <laughs> instead of folding for everybody we were competing with in this fucking group this year Brutal.
0: <laughs> um, I'm, I'm glad you. I'm glad you brought that up. I didn't have that in my notes, but I'm really glad you brought that up because it's been a couple of weeks now with Reno and yeah, that wasn't good news. So, pouring some out for them tonight for sure. Um, I think we got to it all. D Smith. Anything else? You I want think to so.
1: No, I'm good. I mean, I could wax on about Javier Mascherano if you want, but you know, I, I, I think, I think we'll probably save that for a different podcast. I'll save that for the uh, the Barca podcast. Okay, sounds good. Are you going to get up for the 4.30 Chelsea-Newcastle match to
0: potentially see DeAndre Yedlin? Uh, that's a negative. That is
1: the negative. Mm. I, I probably will not. Boy, DeAndre Yedlin, man, I don't know. I, like I said, I was trying to think about like Zardes and Altador and Polisic and Sargent, and some of those names and how they fit in and you know, Brad Cousin, I don't know. But I, I, I got to say, I, I don't know about DeAndre Yedlin. I just, I, I, I'd love to see where he is in a couple of months.
0: Yeah, January can't come soon enough for Yedlin. Lots well, of competition. Uh, that's for sure. He needs a new team. All right. Um, well, if that's that, then we got to give thanks to our sponsors, Three Punk Ales, and to Sport Clips, where it is good to be a guy. And like, any predictions? I guess I'm not giving a prediction. I already gave my Chelsea prediction. They're going to lose this weekend at Newcastle. We always lose to that
1: club. All right. Let's go on uh, Leicester Liverpool then. Okay,
0: um, I'll take. Ooh, where is that one? That one's that, at Anfield. True. Whew. Lester's got their form. Win, 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 win. I'm going Lester.
1: I'll go pool. Burrito yeah. bet. Dundee. Burrito bet. <laughs> Sounds good. Looking <laughs> forward to it. God, I wish we can't
0: wait to meet up and have burritos and people again and all that fun stuff.
1: Soon. Vaccine on the horizon. Very exciting stuff.
0: Yes. Rapid testing. Here we go.
1: All right, D Smith. I will chat with you soon. Peace.